Welcome to Men of the Hearts, a monthly podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit Office of Priestly Vocation. Join me, your host, Father David Pelican, and generally our fearless leader and also host, Father Craig Gira, as we explore the priesthood, hear vocation stories from priests all over the Archdiocese, and answer questions about discerning a priestly vocation. Tune in every month to wherever you get your podcasts. Learn more at DetroitPriestlyVocations.com. Well, welcome, listeners, uh, to another episode of Men of the Hearts. Last episode, I was not here. I was out. As Father Craig said, someone made me an offer I couldn't refuse. So I was I was absent, but it was a beautiful episode where Father John Copson shared his vocation story and kind of the, the ins and outs of, of discerning into seminary, discerning back out, and then re-entering and becoming a priest. Today we have another wonderful guest with us. I'd like to welcome Bishop Robert Fisher. Bishop Fisher was ordained a priest in 1992, and he's served in a variety of positions around the archdiocese, including uh, Shrine of the Little Flower. And Bishop, I believe you were also vocations director for a little while. Is that right? I was. That was my second assignment as a priest. I was an associate pastor first and then the vocation office for five years. Well, well, welcome. It's, it's very good to have you here. Um, looking forward to, to hearing a little bit about your story and anything you might share with uh, young men who are discerning a call. I'm glad to do that uh, today. Um, you know, in thinking back over my call to the priesthood, I at first thought of kind of some larger moments, but then looking back again, realized that there were some smaller moments mm. um, much earlier on that uh, certainly contributed to my finding my way to the seminary and then uh, to ordination. I'm one of uh, four kids. Um, I'm, I'm the oldest of the four. My parents uh, and my brothers and sister, um, I should say my sister's a brother, uh, we, we grew up originally on the west side of Detroit, uh, not too far from Sacred Heart Major Seminary, about three miles down the road, in fact. Oh, really? And, yeah. And then uh, and then we moved to, to Southfield later on. So we started off our, our time in Epiphany Parish and then later on in St. Bede Parish, uh, both of which are of happy memory right now. Mm-hmm. But they, both of those places do uh, play a role in my call to the priesthood. I can remember as, uh, uh, you know, as a child, really, I was probably about nine or ten years old, um, down the block from us was uh, the family, the Matuzic family, and uh, one of their sons was in the seminary. And uh, Mrs. Matuzic um, invited me to come to see one of the, the plays here at the seminary. Oh, sure. And uh, so I can remember walking in the door and uh, had these great big lilac bushes there. They were really, uh, really uh, wonderfully scented. But uh, going in and uh, seeing the play and being very impressed by, you know, the seminary building itself. I also think back to uh, those childhood years and uh, my mom had... Uh, three sisters, and at one time, all three of them were in the convent. Uh, one of them oh, wow. discerned, discerned out, but the other two uh, um, discerned that this was their calling in life and, and stayed on and uh, uh, were part of the Immaculate Heart of Mary uh, community and uh, served as teachers and all different kinds of roles throughout uh, our archdiocese and other dioceses. Um, I also had a great uncle who was a priest. Um, he was oh, really? a, a founding pastor of Christ the Good Shepherd in uh, Lincoln Park, Father Joseph Torzeski. He had a cousin I, whom I did not know because he had died uh, back in the 1940s, but he was also uh, a bishop, and that was uh, Bishop uh, Joseph Ploggins. Um, he would have been the second auxiliary bishop we had in the Archdiocese of Detroit and then later became the Bishop of Marquette. 
and then uh, later on, the, uh, the Bishop of Grand Rapids, which is where he passed away very young in his, in his 60s. In, in my family, anyways, there was... Um, there certainly was precedence for, you know, a religious vocation, and not just precedence. More importantly, there was a, uh, I, I guess I'd call it a supportive attitude, yeah, you know, that's... towards somebody discerning a, a call, you know, towards priesthood and religious life. Would you say uh, the faith was pretty strongly practiced growing up among your family and your, uh, your, your siblings? I mean, did you guys go to Mass every Sunday? Uh, yeah, yeah, we really did. Okay. It was it was part of our normal family practice, and and I can remember even going on family vacations, and we'd go camping in you know parts of Canada, and oh, you sure. know not necessarily near a big city, and uh, that was always a priority was to find mm. out when mass was and to to attend mass. My parents set a great example that way, and certainly going to mass, but also just being active in our parish community. Sure, I can remember throughout childhood uh, if there was something that was needed around the church, my dad would often get tapped, uh, would you help out with this? And uh, he would say yes, and then he'd drag me along with him. Oh, so. sure. Yep. A little extra muscle, right? Right, right. Did you ever, did you ever altar serve growing up? Was that ever part of? Yeah, I did. I did uh, first at Epiphany and then at uh, St. Beden Southfield. And it was, um, it was right after the council. And so oh, it was sure. kind of interesting trying to learn how to be an altar server because at Epiphany yeah. in Detroit, they didn't quite know what was going to happen, so they said, well, I guess you should memorize the Latin prayers, but we're not sure that you're going to use them. And, oh, wow. And, and that okay. was, it was kind of the way of, of the, uh, the, whole, so the whole altar server training went, is that it may be different, but yes. this is how we're doing it now. Wow. Kind of thing, wow. so. I, I altar served uh, a bit growing up, too, and uh, no, I really, really loved that. I think it, it forced me as, as a young uh, boy to, to really pay attention at Mass because, you know, you don't want to miss your cue. You mentioned uh, around 10. Is that when you first started thinking about the priesthood? Yeah, it would, I would say it was in those years. In fact, um, um, I used to play priest, uh, make my, oh, sis my sisters at the time be the congregation, and we had mass in the basement, you know, using all the things that, uh, you know, you use, whether it was the necko wafers for the host oh, yeah. and uh, <laughs> um, finding a plastic chalice that there was something that looked like yep. a chalice and, and on and on and getting my mom to make me some vestments. So, wow. So I did do that for a couple of years in childhood. Yeah, oh, that's very yeah. nice. We did, we did, uh, we did similar things as as children. I have, I have all sisters. Do you, all sisters? Two sisters, one brother. Two sisters, one brother. I, my sisters would be my my altar servers in my congregation as well. I never had vestments made for me though. Mm. So. so did that call kind of stick with you? Were there times of doubt, or was that pretty much just you knew it and you were you were going with with that path? It did. Um, I, I guess I would, I'd say I laid it aside during mm -hmm. high school years. Um, I was still very um, touched by opportunities to serve sure. and to be involved, but not necessarily in ordained ministry. You know, my uh, my focus kind of changed. I guess I would say I was very involved with the music program at our parish and that kind oh, of thing. Sure. I really enjoy singing and that, but really set aside. Uh, the call to priesthood, but at the same time had some wonderful witnesses of of good parish priests. I can remember one uh, one priest that we had 
I was very involved in the Boy Scout program. It was a brand new priest came to the parish, and every time we went on a camp out, he made a real effort to be out there for the Saturday evening mass. And, oh, I, nice. and I still have pictures of one of our gearboxes covered with a green ground cloth, oh, and then wow. on a two Coleman lanterns on each corner as our altar. And but he would come out and That's have awesome. masses for us, That's and then very cool. and then you know and then just go back home. But uh, I remember being very very touched, very impressed by the fact that he would do that for us. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. And we also had other wonderful uh, um, associate pastors at our parish, you know, and they'd get us involved in projects, you know, that needed to be done around the church. And uh, they just, they were fine guys. That's and um, it left a, a positive impression, despite the fact that I was really starting to think, you know, I think I'm called to marriage. I'm called to yeah. Uh, to do something in business or something. So I think those are, are pretty natural thoughts for someone in high school. So what did you do after high school then? You graduated. Did you, did you go to college somewhere? Uh, yep, I, I graduated from U of D Jesuit. And uh, after that, um, it was a wonderful experience there. Great uh, being with the Jesuits. I, I went for one year to the University of Michigan. Um, okay. Thinking that, you know, I wanted to get, in, get into business in some way. Went there, but it just was not a good match for me. It was a huge, yeah, huge place, as we all know. Yes. And just I found it to be a little overwhelming. Sure. And so uh, after that year, I transferred to the University of Detroit. I did the rest of my college there. and uh, But what I was studying was business and computers. And again, it was one of those transitional times. Uh, we started out learning how to program using punch cards. Oh, wow. And, uh, and then slowly, you know, we moved to the cathode ray tube uh, terminals where you could actually type in your program line by line. But uh, it, it, was a big, uh, it was a big change. And one of the things I remember from that time was being afraid to get stuck behind a math major in the computer lab uh. who would have decks of cards that were three foot wide and, you know, ours were, you know, four, five, six inches wide, you know, and uh, and uh, so and it would go on and on and on as the printer tried to keep up with it. But that was my thought at that point uh, was I really wanted to, uh, you know, get into business. I saw myself as being uh, a husband and a father and having a white picket fence and a dog in the yard <laughs> and, uh, and living happily ever after. Nice. nice. So you had, you had an image for, for the future, a plan. Yeah, and, I did. And, uh, I did. Yeah, yeah. If you don't mind me asking, what was... Uh, what was your prayer life relationship with the Lord like in, in college? Did you find it was pretty strong, waned a little bit? It was probably a little back and forth. Um, I would say uh, in terms of getting to Mass, there were a group of us that in my dorm we uh, at, at Michigan, we were, we were all Catholic, and we supported each other in that. And, oh, that's awesome. And, and, went and got each other to go to make sure we went to Mass each week. And, wow. And, and that was that's a, a good, good group. To, uh, yes, it was. It was truly, mm-hmm. truly a blessing. And then uh, once I had transferred to University of Detroit, got back involved again in my, my home parish. So certainly in terms of... Uh, you know, weekly mass that was always a was always mm-hmm. a priority, mm-hmm. and it, I guess over time, then little by little, personal prayer life you know started started to grow more deeply too. Mm. What did you find was uh, in terms of personal prayer? What what kind of attracted you or drew you most to that? I mean, was it praying the rosary? Was it just quiet time? Yeah, probably my my favorite way to pray then and still is now is just kind of some quiet time in front of the Blessed mm-hmm. Sacrament. Yeah. Um, Amen. I, I, I can remember, well, we'll get to another part of the story in a little bit, but for that, where that was really became significant for okay. me. Okay. So. Okay. 
So you're going through college. You've got this this plan kind of for your life, what your what your future might look like. Priesthood was just kind of out of the picture then. Was it still in the back of your mind? What uh, what changed? That uh, obviously. Yeah, your something ears. did change, yeah. right, right, right. <laughs> right. During my summers in college, one of the adult leaders in my Boy Scout troop had been after me mm-hmm. to come work at a summer camp. And for me, it was the uh, CYL Boys Camp up near Port Sanilac, Michigan. Okay. And he had been after me for a couple years to come and do this. And uh, I kept saying to him, I, I can't. I said, if I do that, I won't have enough money to pay for my gas to get to school, <laughs> let, let alone anything else. But yes. I, but I finally said yes to him, and I probably, it was probably as much to get him off my back as it was mm-hmm. uh, any, anything else. Um, but I did. I, I worked for a summer and was a uh, assistant uh, unit leader. You know, was one of the um, a, a counselor, but with some responsibility for for leading the other counselors, kind of thing. Yeah. And um, you know, I have to say, I had, I had met some seminarians in the past. And I'd met a couple this summer, and I found them to be rather dry. Mm. Um, they just uh, didn't have a whole lot of excitement or enthusiasm until I met one particular seminarian whom uh, we've been talking a lot about here the last couple of weeks in our archdiocese, and that's uh, Archbishop Paul Russell. Oh, wow. He, uh, yes. he was a, uh, a seminarian for the Archdiocese of Boston at that time, and uh, this was the first summer at camp for both of us. And uh, along with a, a third counselor who was there, now Father Ed Zorowski. Um, oh, wow. Uh, Father yeah. Ed and I, neither of us were in the seminary at that time, but uh, uh, Paul Russell, then Paul Russell, was. And uh, so as I watched Paul, it really sparked something very deep in me. He was a man who was good with kids. He was good with people. He was very friendly, very outgoing. He knew how to have a wonderful time. And he was a man of great prayer. Mm. And I, I was just really touched by by that example. Um, I, I referred to something before that started to play a role in my own discernment, and that was we had a chapel at our camp, and it was kind of an, okay. uh, off in a corner away from things. Um, I found myself over um, the course of years spending more and more time there. I have to say that that one summer at summer camp, um, ended up being eight summers oh, um, wow. altogether. Um, and even after I graduated from college, I wanted to stay on because I was really moved by working with people in a faith setting mm-hmm. and working with other people who thought faith was important and were, were, were trying to, to live it out. So it was in the course of that time that the uh, call to priesthood you know, came, came back to me. Actually, as, as we're sitting here, the audience can't see, but um, I feel woefully underdressed, and that's actually because I'm just getting back from a summer camp. I was up for a week at uh, Camp Sancta Maria up north, and so uh, I can relate to that, just that fondness for, for really wanting to serve others. And, and I think, you know, you could probably speak to this as well, but it's just so edifying to see the change that takes place in the kids over the week or, or two weeks that they're there. You know, they, they often get there, especially these days, you know, uh, maybe not even knowing how to have like a conversation with someone away from their phone and technology, you know, and you just watch them forge these friendships as they're, you know, just doing fun stuff outside, you know, and I, it's just so edifying for me. I was, as a seminarian, I was a counselor up there for a couple summers, I think four summers, so hmm. about about half your time, yeah. uh, but uh, but really loved it and just really... I was even I was even reflecting as I was up there. I think that might have been uh, the single most like formative experience for the way I you know am a priest today. You know, it just it taught me how to like 
you know, as I came right out of uh, high school, as mm-hmm. a lot of our listeners know. And so just to, to be responsible for all these young men, you know, and, and really to, to just want to like love them and give them what's best for them. Like it was, it was awesome for me too, as a counselor. So I'm sure, I'm sure you can relate. Did, um, Staying there for eight years, you must have served in a variety of roles as well. Did you did you take on some, obviously you said you weren't just a counselor, but helping the other counselors. Did you have like an area that you really loved particularly about camp or uh, a role that you had that you really enjoyed? You know, I think every job at camp is enjoyable in its own way. You know, probably some, some more than others. Um, uh, certainly being a, a cabin counselor, yeah. one of the joys is you can just see in the eyes of the, the kids how they look up to the counselors. Mm-hmm. And it, you, you, re- you recognize what an incredible opportunity it is to touch their hearts, yes. you know, with, with something good. And um, so th- that that was always the best job at camp, and I didn't often get to do that. But uh, oh, but sure. there were times where I did get to right, be, a, be in a cabin with, with a group of kids. Uh, but I uh, became the camp director a couple summers later. Oh, wow. And then did that for the rest of my uh, my time at uh, at camp. And so it's then you realize that, you know, even though administration can be a little bit dry, um, sure. it does provide a structure so that the rest yes. of the wonderful things can happen, Absolutely. you know, at camp. I'm so. sure you became a bit of a... Uh, a counselor to the counselors in some ways too, exactly as, as in yeah. that role so yeah i was just so thankful to come back and just what you said about the impact you can have on kids as a counselor i've been away from there for about about six years since i was a counselor there so coming back uh, a good chunk of the counselors now were campers who i had in cabin mm-hmm. which was really cool to see it's also a little alarming because i see them and i'm just kind of hardwired to say they can't be trusted with anything you know <laughs> and now they're in charge of all these uh kids but yeah. but it's beautiful just to see how much they'd grown since since i'd last been there and how much they kind of still loved camp and wanted to give back in the ways that they had kind of received when they were kids so that's beautiful and you said you said it was at camp that you you kind of this call to the priesthood came back. Uh, what, what was that like? Was that I mean, did you hear a voice? Was it was it dr- a dramatic kind of moment, or was it? Uh, yeah, more? I can't I can't say it was a dramatic moment, a voice, uh, anything like that. But it was just more of a sense mm. that I needed to to look into that, and uh, and you know, so I began to pray about it, and I talked. Uh, to Father Ed Zorsky about it, as well as uh, mm. uh, then uh, Paul Russell, now Archbishop Russell, and um, what started as just a mere friendship, uh, began mutual support for each other as we, mm. you know, as uh, Paul continued to um, discern his time in the seminary, as well as uh, uh, Father Ed and myself um, hearing the call for the first time. Wow. So I, I wrestled with it because in the back of my mind was still that image of the white picket fence and mm-hmm. a family and a the wife. Dog and, in the and, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, you know, but I started to pray about that. And mm-hmm. as I did, I just had a sense from God saying, you may not see it now, but I think it would be good for you to at least try the seminary, go to the seminary for a year, apply. Mm-hmm. And if you're accepted, go to the seminary and, and then let's talk some more about it. So, mm-hmm. so I did. I, you know, I applied, and uh, it took me a couple of years of uh, uh, the living, the discernment weekends, and all that before actually, uh, you know, getting in. But, but did make uh, the application was accepted. It very much was at the end of those first years in seminary. It was kind of the thing where I'd say to the Lord, you know, Lord, this was a great year. 
Mm -hmm. I learned a lot about my faith. I learned a lot about myself. Uh, I feel my relationship is deepening with you. But what about those kids and the white fence and the dog? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but I think there's something beautiful about uh, the freedom in knowing that that coming to seminary doesn't necessarily mean you've got it all figured out or have absolute clarity. That a big part of what we do in seminary is discern that call. You know, in a in a an environment that's really really helpful to that, uh, with plenty of prayer and, and uh, priests and spiritual directors to talk to. Uh, you came in with, without absolute clarity, but you were willing to, to give it a shot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's ex- exactly the way it was. And um, so each of those years would go by, and I'd end up in that same conversation with the Lord. Um, until Now, the program was a little different then. We had one year of... Uh, if you had your degree already, mm-hmm. you had one degree, one year of philosophy, and then five years of theology. Okay. And year three of theology at that time was a full year in the parish. It was during that experience where you're actually living the life of a priest as closely as you can be without actually being one. Right. That I just, I just knew, I just knew mm. that this is what God wanted me to do. And, you know, I felt it confirmed in my prayer. And yet I still pushed the Lord a little bit and said, but I still would like to be, I still like to have my own kids, you know, I'd still yeah. like to, like, you know, that. And, uh, but I just had a sense from the Lord that we're going to take care of that. Don't worry about it. Mm. We're going to take care of that. Mm-hmm. And so, so I did push on and, you know, was, was ordained in 1992. And on that, on that issue of kids, the, really the way the Lord has fulfilled that in my heart is you, you come to realize as a parish priest that uh, the children of the parish are your children. Mm. You're their spiritual mm. father, Amen. you know. And uh, I certainly have looked to them, uh, you know, in the, the three assignments I had as a pastor and the one as an associate pastor, I very much mm. looked at them as being my my spiritual children and often get called on now to do their weddings in that, which is just yeah. a great joy for me to Absolutely. do. It's a great joy. That's and then, beautiful. And the other That's part beautiful. of it, too, that I think really that has been a gift from God is that uh, uh, through my, my siblings, um, I've got uh, two nieces and two nephews, and and so I really like to look at them as being my own kids in in mm-hmm. a way. And so, you know, when, when they were younger, my sisters would get mad and I'd come over and uh, along with my brother, we'd wind them up, have all kinds of fun and then say, <laughs> see ya. Bye. Don't so. have to deal with them at night. Yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, have some yeah. sugar before you go to bed. <laughs> yes, that's, that, that is, that is so true though. And it's, it's such a blessing. I just, um, Two of my sisters have gotten married in the last uh, maybe three, four years. So there's just there's a, 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 a two nephews and a niece now, all mm. very young, and yeah. so I, I can relate to that a little bit. Going over, having a great time with them, giving them some candy, and then you're out of there. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but it, it's it's beautiful. Just before that last diaper change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, you said uh, you got a lot of clarity on this year away, and that's not kind of like part of the normal. Uh, you could say, if you want to call it that process right now in seminary, although some of that might be changing soon. Uh, but I know a lot of guys, a lot of guys who were started out with me or ended up with me who took that year, um, just like a pastoral year in a parish, um, just of their own uh, will and, and really loved it and said it was it was so good. And they, they would come back to seminary kind of with this renewed sense of purpose, like, this is why we're doing what we're doing here. Um, what, uh, what parish were you at for that year? I was at, uh, St. Malachi in Sterling Heights. Okay. Very good. And was there, was there a moment 
in that where you kind of had this clarity? Was it something that came more gradually? Yeah, I'd have to say it really came more gradually. Um, but I just knew that I loved all the things that I was doing. Mm. And I could really see myself, yeah. you know, living um, in, in a parish and doing these kinds of things for the rest of my life. Yeah. The reason I ask it is we, we hear a lot of vocation stories. It's one of the graces of co-hosting this podcast. And you just see the whole range of how God calls people. Mm. You know, some people have these very clear moments. You know, like Father John Copson was on last time, and uh, he literally had this, you could call it just like incredibly miraculous moment that finally sealed the deal that he was called to be a priest. Um, and then other people, it is, like like you said, it's just it's very gradual, kind of just like this sense of the Lord gradually drawing you deeper, deeper, and there's no maybe heaven's opening moments. Um, and it's just, I, I guess it's a testament to the Lord. You know, he, he knows us very well and he, he speaks to us each kind of uniquely in, in the way that suits us best. Um, yeah. yeah, that's that's uh, that's beautiful. Yeah, the, the priest I was with on that internship year, um, Father Gerald Britz, a wonderful man, kind of a gruff exterior at times, <laughs> but a, a heart of absolute gold. Mm. Just would you know? He do anything for anybody, and uh, he was he was later in his priesthood um, when when I met him, and just to see his commitment to continuing to deepen his spiritual life, mm. as well as his continual reading about our faith and learning more about our wow. faith. Again, it was one of those examples that yeah. you know, just really touched me, and uh, was yeah. was a powerful witness for me. How did you like your time at seminary? I know some guys absolutely love it. Others maybe struggle a little with certain aspects of it. Uh, what was that like for you, that experience of, of seminary? You know, I, I loved uh, the community aspect of it. Um, of course, mm-hmm. it was often, we would say back then, that's the best and worst parts of seminary is the community. Sure. You yeah. know, in both directions. <laughs> of course. You, know, you, get, you love your brothers, but sometimes you get frustrated with them. Like family, right? Yeah, exactly. Just like family. Just like family. But uh, no, I, I really did enjoy seminary time. But I, but I have to say, though, that after being in that internship experience, it's like I could feel myself wanting to flap my wings, yeah. you know, more and more. And I mm-hmm. uh, was looking forward to uh, finishing seminary. Although I have to say, too, though, that coming back to the seminary after that internship year really gave me a whole new way of mm. looking at studies. Mm-hmm. You know, it, uh, and, and there was a kind of motivation that came with it, you know, sure. to really want to delve into things and uh, uh, and sing, I could hear myself saying all the time, let's see, this is how I could use this in the parish. This mm-hmm. is how I could use that mm-hmm. in the parish, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. So, That's that's beautiful. And I think there's, there's something healthy about a certain sense of uh, wanting to flap your wings, as you said. You know, it's, mm-hmm. I, I, I can definitely relate to that, uh, you know, towards the end, just being, being ready to get out there. And, you know, there, there's a sense in which, uh, you know, seminary is great, but you, God didn't call me to be a seminarian, you know, and right. it's uh, like my vocation. And I felt that once I became a priest was like, now I'm, I'm really, I'm living the purpose that God created me for. Mm-hmm. And, and there was something just like really uh, energizing about that. And, and you felt like I, I've made it kind of, you know, so yeah, I can, can certainly see how that would be the case. So what, what was, what was priesthood like for you? I mean, I'm, two years out now, not quite a baby priest anymore. Yeah. Uh, but what were those first couple of years like uh, as a priest? Well, as, as you know firsthand, Father David, it's it's all about doing your firsts and learning, <laughs> yes. you know, the, the, those Lots practical, of learning. Lots of learning. All the, those, the, the practical aspects, you yes. know, of, of being a, a parish priest. And um, it, it was really wonderful to see how people in the parish, I was, my first assignment was at Our Lady Star of the Sea on the east side. Oh, sure. And, and uh, just to see how people 
were there. They wanted to see you succeed, even mm. if you goofed up with something. Sure. They, you know, you could do this, you could do this. And they were just very, very encouraging and very, very supportive. And, that, and that's uh, really a blessing mm-hmm. that we, uh, we, we shouldn't overlook that, you know, the people of God want to see their priests succeed. They really, yeah. they, they, you know, they love their priests, you know. And, they do, they do. Uh, and, and want to see that happen. And I very, very much felt that, you know, in those first oh. years of priesthood. Yeah, no, I, I always say the toughest crowd I ever preached to was uh, my brother seminarians in preaching practicum. You know, it's... <laughs> Indeed. You it, get out there it, and... I'm sure them. you've had one of those invitations to come back to the seminary after being ordained. Right? <laughs> yes, And then yes. having to preach to them. Say yeah. Mass and... Uh, exactly. Yeah, 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 that was... Honestly, I was ordained in the middle of the pandemic, right? Oh. So I didn't come... I, I came back and did one, but I was actually two years out and... You know, I, uh, two years more out, you're like a little more confident. Right, right. But there is, there is something. I was, I was, I was a little nervous. Mm-hmm. You know, getting up there and, uh, well, it was just like this is the chapel I spent so many hours, you know, praying in, uh, discerning in as a seminarian, and and those are all my formators lined up in the stalls, you know, right around me as I'm saying mass, so ready was, to take notes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see how they did, I guess, uh, informing me. But uh, it was beautiful, but it was it was definitely a little a little on edge on the edge of your seat for that one. So. Mm-hmm. How long were you vocations director for? What was that like? Five years for for that. Oh wow. Yep. Yeah. So after completing my uh, First three years, um, Cardinal Maida, our Archbishop at the time, asked me to do that work, and uh, I, and I really, you know, loved the priesthood, mm-hmm. and you know, had guided a couple of retreats for seminarians, and the part that was challenging, of course, was being out of the parish because I just, you know, fallen oh, in sure. love with being in a parish, sure. you know, and uh, yeah, um, but at the same time, um, it was a real privilege to witness the Holy Spirit touching a man's heart mm. and trying to help him discern this, this call that, you know, I had fairly recently gone through myself. And, uh, but yeah, just, just a real privilege to see God touching a man's heart and saying, you know, I want you to consider this and, mm-hmm. and trying to help them do that in a yeah. very constructive way. That, that, that is a privilege. As you, as you know, Father Craig lives with us at Divine Child, so I get to hear a little bit about uh, just kind of the joys and struggles of being a vocations director. And I think that's definitely something he misses too at times is being in the parish, kind of having that that day-to-day just interaction with, with the people of God, uh, ministering to them, all the sacraments. So it is a bit of a sacrifice, I get the sense, to, to be the vocations director and not have that in as regular of a way. You know, we had uh, we had Bishop Hanchin in here a couple mm. months ago, and he was vocations director for a little bit as well. He was my vocation director. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> Small world. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he he was talking about uh, he was talking about um, just how different it was when he was vocations director that he didn't really go out and try to recruit mm. um, at all. People just came to him. W- what was your experience of of vocations when you were? When you were a director, yeah, well, well, I was out on the road a lot, uh, okay. visiting schools as well as oh, nice. um, helping out in different parishes on on the weekends and trying to have every homily end up in some way. You know, yeah. that reminds me. Yeah, <laughs> have you ever thought about being a priest or a religious sister or brother? You know, mm. um, so yeah, we did. We did a lot of that. Um, we also did those programs where we were inviting the seventh graders to come down to the seminary and have oh, a chance sure. to, to to see the. Uh, the building here and have an experience of uh, the seminarians and uh, join in for mass and, and for lunch and then to talk a little bit about vocations too. 
I, I gave a lot of tours to junior high students in my, my eight years here. So <laughs> Yes. There was a lot of pizza and a lot family. of hot dogs yes. that went out of this building. <laughs> well, I... Um, you probably don't remember this because you probably, you're probably, uh, mine was in a very different place. But when you were ordained a bishop, along with Bishop Battersby, I was, I was a seminarian at that time. I served for the ordination. Oh, okay. So got to see that up, up close and personal. And uh, I'm sure uh, being vocations director was a, was a change vocationally for you personally. What was it like uh, getting ordained a bishop, getting, getting that call? What, what was that like for you? Yeah, it was, um, wow, overwhelming, uh, completely surprising, mm-hmm. um, not having any idea where this came from. And the story I often tell is I was pastor at the shrine in Royal Oak at the time, right. and uh, I had been meeting with uh, my associate pastors that morning, uh, Father Patrick Gagno and Father Ryan Adams. Oh, yes. Uh, so we just had we had meetings that morning. And yeah. while we were meeting, my, my phone was on the table upside down, and oh, I should back up to the day before. I'd, I'd gotten a call um, that I just assumed was a robocall. Sure. You know, I didn't recognize sure. the phone number, and it was a, uh, an area a code from out of the area. Yeah, yeah. So I, that's what I thought it was for sure. So I said, just let it go to voicemail. We'll see what it is. So, th- so that was the day before. Then this day when I had the meetings with Father Patrick, Father Ryan, uh, I had my phone on the table. And while we were meeting, the phone was buzzing a lot, more than, mm. more than it normally would. Mm-hmm. So finally, when we were done, I, I turned the phone over, and there were a couple calls from that number again, that mm. strange number. Mm-hmm. But again, no message. Okay. But then there was a text, and the text said, this is the archbishop. Call me on my cell number uh. as soon as you can. Then there was a text from Father Steve Pullis, who was the secretary at the time, yeah. saying, you need to call the archbishop on his cell phone at this number right away. <laughs> I'm thinking... On his cell phone, nobody yeah. gets that number, you know. <laughs> so, uh, so, so I did. And um, first thing Archbishop says to me is, uh, "Father, you're you're hard to get a hold of." <laughs> I'm, so, I'm thinking to myself, Archbishop, I got your text. I called you. What morning you want? Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. And he says, "I'm here at the the bishops' meeting in Baltimore. One of my confreres needs to speak to you." I'm saying to myself, "Yeah." One of your confreres needs to speak to me about what? <laughs> and uh, so he says, call this number and then call me back. Didn't tell me who I was calling or anything. Yeah. So he gives me the number. Well, it was that mystery number that kept <laughs> appearing on my phone. Uh-huh. So I called the number and uh person answered on the other end. And I said, uh, this is uh, Father Robert Fisher. Um, Archbishop Vigneron asked me to give you a call. So the voice on the other end of the line said, This is Archbishop Christophe Pierre. I'm the papal nuncio to the United States of America. The Holy Father, Pope Francis, wants you to be auxiliary bishop in Detroit. Do you accept? (laughs) Wow. So I about fell off my chair, of course. Not much of an intro. No, no no intro. (laughs) (laughs) He's afraid he wouldn't get me again, I think. (laughs) So uh, so, um, I... (laughs) In talking to some of the new bishops later that year, um, they at least had the presence of mind to say, well, can I pray about it and Mm. call you back? Mm -hmm. I I was just dumbfounded and I was kind of tongue-tied, but I I said to them, yes, 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 I'll do it. So so then I called Archbishop back and he says, well, what did you say? And I said, uh, I told him yes. And he says, oh, well, very good. He says, by the way, you have a twin. Father Gerard oh. Battersby is also going to be ordained an auxiliary bishop for for Detroit. Wow. So, wow, that must wow that must have been quite quite the shock. 
And now, correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you, you don't tell anyone that right away. Yeah, you're not so, allowed to tell anyone. Okay. You know, outside of your spiritual director, your confessor, yep. you're not allowed to tell anyone. So this wow. was um, uh, November 15th is when I got the call. And so it was that following weekend was going to be Synod 16. Oh, wow. And so Archbishop yep. says, I want you to be there for at least a part of it. And I had a bunch of activities at the parish. It was sure. hard to get away, but uh, I did uh, go to it. But couldn't say anything to any anybody wow. about it. Um, was it, was that difficult? It was very um, difficult. <laughs> Although I could talk to Bishop Battersby, or then, okay, you know, sure, yeah. we, we we could talk about it. Yeah. Um, and it, it was funny um, because he was saying that um, uh, Archbishop Burns had said to him, he says, "Well, you know how there's the the funeral preface that says, uh, Lord, for your people." Uh, oh, yeah. Changed, yeah. not ended. Changed, says, not ended. Yeah. No, yeah. It's changed and ended for you <laughs> as a bishop. <laughs> That's so, funny. Yeah. That's funny. You know, it's. I only found this out um, a while later, but when Bishop Battersby got the call, he was Father Battersby. He was at the seminary. He was my formator at the time. Hmm. And we had a formation meeting scheduled for later that day. And I thought it was strange because I went in. And he was kind of like, How are things going? You know, and I said, good, good. And he goes, good? Everything's good? Good. He goes, I think we're all set. <laughs> and that was it. The that shortest was the formation yeah. meeting in history, right? <laughs> so I think he had other things on his mind because yeah. I found out later that I think it was that morning that he'd gotten the call. Oh, okay. So yeah. 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 Wow. That's wild. And what, how has it been being a bishop? I mean, I know that's a big question, but. Uh, yeah. You know, I'll often say to parishioners, um, where I was once pastor, I said, you know, it's, it's bittersweet. Um, mm-hmm. Bitter in the sense of, you know, I do miss parish life. I sure. miss being, you know, in there with with the families and getting to know the kids and watching them grow and all that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, but at the other hand, on the other hand, um, as bishop, you know, you get to, to see a whole different side of the church and get to do some sure. pretty neat things, you know, all in the name of uh, trying to make sure that the faith is passed on. So um, it's, it's, it's both, you know, it's, it, it's, it's got its joys, it's got its sorrows, both, you know. Sure. So. Yeah. I know it was even just, just watching the ceremony of ordination uh, to become a bishop was very striking for me. And I, as the book bearer, I kind of got a, a up-close look. Mm. Um, but there was just so much stuff that I don't even know if I understood, just like holding the book open above your head or something at some right, point. Right, and right. then uh, uh, your whole head got anointed with chrism. Did it uh, ever. It's... <laughs> The Archbishop was, was very generous with his use of the chrism, yes. <laughs> but but it was it was a beautiful uh beautiful rite as 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 all ordinations are. And um yeah, we're very, very glad, of course, to have you as a bishop. Speaking of that, you mentioned Archbishop Russell. Uh and I know there's been, you know, a lot of a lot of chatter going on with him coming back here uh as auxiliary bishop to serve alongside you. Uh, can you explain, uh, if you can, how does how does an archbishop how does someone become an archbishop and an auxiliary bishop all at once? If you can explain the workings of the Holy Spirit, yeah. <laughs> you've got uh, your next book ready to write. Yep. You know, yeah. yeah, no, it's um, you know being in uh, diplomatic service is uh, can be really a challenge for a man. Um, and again, you know, I've known Archbishop Russell all these years, and and I know. That it's it's hard to be away from family and friends, and and you know, uh, in a great mm-hmm. a great way, you're you're really far away. It's mm-hmm. not just uh, you know you're a couple hours away, but you're several hours away, and um, some of those assignments 
are can be very intense, mm-hmm. very, very intense. Mm-hmm. So I, I think um, in Archbishop's uh, own discernments, um, you know, it, it was time to try and do do something just a little bit different within mm. the church. So, yeah, sure. so yeah, because it is incredibly unusual for mm. an auxiliary for an archbishop to become an auxiliary bishop. You know, mm. but he retains the title because the pope gave him the title. You yeah, know, of so, course, of yeah. course. No, that's that's beautiful. We're we're blessed to have him, and uh, yeah, and certainly because of all of his experience, he brings. Um, such a wealth of experience and mm. knowledge from all these different places that he's been. And uh, and through it all, though, he's kept that same spirit that I saw early on in him, you know, Has being he? good with people and yeah. being a prayerful man and, uh-huh. and and being able to enjoy life. So... Yeah, I only, I've only ever met him briefly. I was actually I was I was up north at the official welcome, but mm. uh, but yeah, he seemed like seemed like just a very very kind man, very sincere, very kind, and uh, easy to talk to. Yes, and I think you'll you'll find him be a, a very worthwhile interviewee for you. Uh, absolutely, we'll have to we'll have to get him on here. I'm sure yeah. he could tell some pretty pretty wild stories from from his time, uh, you know, in different assignments, and we'll ask him about camp too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's it's been really a, an honor, a pleasure having you here, Bishop. Um, we ask this to everyone, but especially as a vocations director, do you have any like advice for young men who are discerning a call, um, things that they should do? If maybe they've they're thinking about it, but on the fence, things they should do, things they should not do. What what, what would be your words to uh, a young man listening to this who is maybe maybe toyed with the idea or considering the idea of the priesthood? First, first thing I would say is that most often used phrase from the Bible, you know, be not afraid. That's mm. um, repeated so many times throughout the scriptures. Mm. If God wants you to do something with your life, it's going to be good. Doesn't mm. mean it's going to be easy, but it's going to be good. It's going to give them a kind of fulfillment that they can't experience anywhere else, you know, um, whatever it is that God's asking them to do. So, so don't be afraid. I often compared uh, discernment for a religious vocation to being like dating. Mm-hmm. When you're dating a person, you want to get to know everything about them, to get to know their values, get to know their family, um, everything you can possibly know before you know, making that choice, uh, which is also a discernment, of course. But uh, discerning the priesthood is, 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 is similar. You know, you, you need to find out everything you can about the priesthood. You know, bug your parish priest. Ask yeah. him lots of questions. That's right. You know, I think Father Craig has got some discernment groups that get together and meet. Mm-hmm. And this is like-minded people who are all, you know, wrestling with the same kind of questions. And to, yeah. to do that in a community setting is, is you know, a wonderful gift um, as well. Um, certainly to spend time with the Blessed Sacrament, to get to Mass regularly. Mm. Those are, you know, that mm-hmm. those, and plus your own, uh, personal prayer life are very, very important as you go through uh, that that whole discernment process. But don't be afraid. Be not afraid. Yes, yeah. beautiful words from the Scripture. Usually, I ask this at the beginning, or usually Father Craig asks it at the beginning. I'm a bit of a rookie here at doing this, um, but oftentimes we'll just share a blessing that we've had from the past month. Uh, is there is there any particular blessing uh, you've had recently that you'd like to share uh, with our listeners today? I guess it would just be uh, the blessing you know we had just last week of uh, uh, the massive welcome for Archbishop Russell. Mm. It was such a joyous occasion, occasion, and for a couple reasons. One was 
it was seemed like it was the first time we could have a big choir in the cathedral, and oh, you know, okay. and yeah. uh, um, and uh, to have uh, to have people there too to, to celebrate. So, and mm-hmm. then the, of course the other the, the personal side, being able to welcome this good friend mm-hmm. of mine, and to be able to to know that I'll be ministering, you know, with him over these next years was was a great blessing, a great joy. Absolutely, that that is that is a blessing. I uh, I think my blessing would also be similar in in that. Uh, Kind of rekindling old friendships when I when I was up at camp for the week, and uh, just uh, some rekindling some of the friendships I'd had both with campers and and former counselors who now work there in director positions. It was just it was it was so beautiful to be back, and it's uh, a place that gives me a lot of life when I visit. So, mm, indeed, so, indeed. Well. Uh, Bishop, thank you so much for joining us today. This was a great pleasure to welcome you here. Um, as we wrap up, again, Father Craig was unable to join us. He, he's a little under the weather today, so offer a, offer a quick prayer for his speedy recovery. If you're wondering where I was last month, uh, the offer I couldn't refuse came from my dad, and it was uh, to get away for a couple-day fishing trip with him. So Wonderful. that was uh, a beautiful, beautiful opportunity. It was a, a tradition we'd had every year, uh, but hadn't been able to make it for the last nine years. So resurrected an old tradition. Beautiful. Um, with that, Bishop, would you like to close us in prayer? I'd be happy to. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Good and gracious God, as we bring this podcast to a close, we know that many are listening who are trying to listen to your voice, trying to hear your voice in the midst of a very noisy culture. Lord, we pray that you uh, inspire them, touch their hearts in a way that they know truly it is you that's knocking on the door of their hearts. Help them not to be dissuaded by earthly things, earthly temptations, but to trust that you will lead them where they need to go, where you want them to be in order to continue building up your church in this world. We thank you for the ministry of the vocation office of Father Craig and Father David. We thank you for for all who make the efforts to not only pray for vocations, but also who are unafraid to invite young people, to pray about their vocation. Lord, bless us all in in everything that you call us to do. Help us to to never be afraid and trust that you're at our side each and every day. We ask these in all of our prayers, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Men of the Hearts, a monthly podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit Office of Priestly Vocations. Join me, your host, Father David Pelican, and usually our host, Father Craig Gira, as we explore the priesthood, hear vocation stories from priests all over the archdiocese, and answer questions about discerning a priestly vocation. Tune in every month to wherever you get your podcasts. Learn more at DetroitPriestlyVocations.com.